Hello, and welcome to Human Is My Label. This is your host, Emily Purry. I am a wife, a mother, a daughter, a sibling, and a former athlete. I work full-time, I am the founder of RAPID, a nonprofit organization, and I'm legally blind. I am so excited about opening the conversation about everything equity. We will primarily be talking about disability, as that is my lived experience, and it is often the minority left out of the equity conversation. I am passionate about equity for all identities, as I have family members from the communities of color, LGBTQIA, disabilities, and we span all ages. It is my goal to normalize these conversations, get people comfortable with the uncomfortable, and include everyone. After all, we are all human. Happy Monday, everyone. I hope you had a great weekend. Today we're going to be talking about being a parent with a disability. And that's specific to my family, my kids, the perspective I have, the experiences I have. And the reason this topic is coming up today is because I had a particularly difficult experience um, at my daughter's swim uh, practice the other day. Before I get into some of the experiences and the stories that I have about being a parent with a disability, I really want to put all of you in the mind frame, and especially you parents listening, that when it comes down to it, I'm still a parent. And when it comes down to it, I want to be the best parent I can be, just like all of you, if you do not have a disability. I have the same love for my child. I have the same wants uh, to be able to experience for my child and with my child, and I want to be able to do the same things that everyone else does for their children. And so I think a lot of people forget about that sometimes. If you don't have a disability, that especially when we're looking at the humanity of disability and the humanity of equity, we tend to forget that the underlying, the bottom line of everything is we all want to be the best parents we can be regardless of what challenges we face in doing so. So this week, uh, my daughter was at her swim practice and my husband was at home making dinner. And so I took her in there by myself and it was the last day of the session. And so they always get to have fun and celebrate. And and so they go down the slide and typically uh, they stay in the same place in the pool. So I feel comfortable if I can't see her that I know where she's going to be and I know I can watch the time and then When it is over, I can walk over to the other end of the pool and pick her up and get her to the locker room and etc. But on these days, it's a little iffy because they go and they do the slide. So I don't necessarily know where they're going to be in the pool at what time. And so it makes me nervous that I'm not going to be able to find her or that um, she will finish early and she will be looking for me. Granted, she can see where I am. But I never want her to feel like I, I have left her or anything like that, just like every other parent. And so on, on Wednesday, we were there, and I decided that I wanted to sit on the opposite end of the pool where there's no spectators, typically. Um, and I wanted to watch her. I wanted to watch, see how her progression was, how she was progressing. I wanted to watch her go down the slide and have fun 
And in the past, honestly, she has not done the slide well. She's been scared of the slide. So I wanted to make sure that she actually went down it. And if she didn't, that I could grab her up and get her to the locker room without a big fuss. Um, and so I went down to the end where they were and I casually sat down at the end of the pool against the wall. Now, I know none of you were there at the pool, but at this end of the pool, there's typically, my son also swims there, and there's typically pictures, there's typically bleachers um, at this end of the pool, so I know, you know, people typically sit there. So I sat down, and I was just on my phone, and I was trying to zoom in on my phone to see her in the water, so it could look like that I'm just on my phone, but I'm trying to zoom in so I can watch her doing her, her front stroke and her back stroke and her front floats and back floats and all that good stuff. And the lifeguard came over to me and said, ma'am, you can't sit here. And I said, okay, um, you know, I have a vision disability. Is there anywhere I can be where I can see my daughter swim today? And he said, uh, no, you know, most parents sit at the end of the bleachers over there. And I said, yeah, I understand that, um, and that's where I usually sit, but today's the last day of the the session, and I really want to see her having fun. And he said, you know, I don't know. And I said, I'm just going to stand back here against the wall. And he said, uh, okay. So he, he let me stand there. Shortly after that, another person comes up to me and goes, ma'am, um, so I, I understand you have some kind of impairment. And I said, yes, I have a vision disability. And I just really want to see my daughter swim today. It's the last day of the session, and I just want to enjoy it. And he said, oh, well, um, you're not allowed to stand here. It's against fire code. And I said, well, I know that's not true because my son has swim mates here all the time, and there are always bleachers and chairs, etc., all lined up right here. There is no space to walk. There is no space to move. So I, I think that's crap, honestly. And he said, I'm sorry, ma'am, that's just the that's just the policy. And I said, is there anything we can do so I can see my daughter swim today? And he said, you know, no, I'm sorry, there's not. And so I went over to the other side of the pool, and that was that. He said, oh, also, the, the swim instructor could come get you when they're done. Well, that makes no sense. The swim instructor has six or seven or whatever other kids with her, She's not going to be able to say, hold on, kids, let me leave you by the side of the pool and let me go tell this parent that she can come pick up her kid. No, it doesn't make sense. Anyways, so I go over to the other side of the pool. I'm upset. I'm upset for a lot of reasons. I just want to watch my kid. I just want to watch my daughter swim. And as a parent, I should be able to do that. And a parent with a disability, I should be able to do that. Two, Kennedy knows that I can't see her from the far end of the pool. When I was down on the other end, she was like, Mommy, look at this. Mommy, watch that. Mommy, Mommy, Mommy. She knows I can see her when I'm closer to her. And so now she knows that I can't see her. She knows that I'm not watching how good she's doing. She knows that I can't see her go down the slide. So that sucks for her. It sucks for me as a mom who wants to be supportive of her kid and, and all these, these things. So I'm super emotional. I'm really upset. Um, I text my sister. I said, people suck. Um, I said, wait to post the picture that I, I, I sent you because there's a story that needs to go along with it because I took a picture right before of me and Kennedy. We're both smiling and happy and excited about the last day of swim. And then I am over on the side feeling 
basically in tears. I'm holding back tears extremely hard. Um, so swimming ends. Kennedy notices immediately that something's wrong with me. She said, Mommy, what's wrong? Mommy, what's wrong? And I wasn't crying, but she could tell. I was like, let's just get out of here. I just need to get out of here. She said, tell me why, Mommy. Tell me. I said, I, you know, I just don't. I'll tell you in the car when, when we're in our own privacy. And I called Jameson. And I said, I, come pick us up right now. I, I need to get out of here. So he came, talked to me, and I just burst into tears immediately getting in the car. And I'm just so frustrated. The people were very nice. The two people that talked to me were very nice. They weren't rude. They weren't, other than calling it some impairment, which is not a horrible phrase, but it just pissed me off in the moment. Um, they they weren't they weren't they weren't bad people. They didn't do anything incredibly wrong. But the policies. This again, I speak a lot in my conversations to companies. Policies do not always allow for equity. And so when you're developing policies, we need to consider that in all of the things we're doing. So needless to say, my husband, who's very protective, was extremely pissed <laughs> and he wanted to turn the car around and go immediately back. And I said, no, I need to get home. I'm, I don't want to be in there. I don't want to wait for you. I'm pissed off. I want to go home. I want to eat dinner. So he tries to call the swim center and they sent him to a voicemail and then he went, so he drove back to the swim center and he asked to speak to people and explained his case and recorded it. I know, illegal, but we're not using it in court, so it's okay. <laughs> um, but just to prove, he asked, can I see the policy? Can I see the written policy? They couldn't provide it. Can I talk to the supervisor? The supervisor wasn't there or anybody above the supervisor that talked to me. Um, and so they weren't prepared for the conversation at all, which to me as a person with disability says that we have never thought about a person with a disability having kids. Now, is that the case? No, but that's how it feels. It feels like nobody has ever considered the fact that a person with a disability would have kids, number one, but then number two, that the person with disability would be you know, doing it by themselves. My husband wasn't by my side holding my arm while I watched my kids swim. No, I want to be independent too. And so as a parent with a disability, it's very frustrating to try and navigate the world of a parent uh, without encountering these things. And it's, it's even more of an issue when I, not an issue, it's not the right word. It's even more upsetting because I do this for a living. I educate companies, I educate people, and this stuff still catches me off guard sometimes. I still think, oh no, we're making progress, we're making progress, and then stuff like this happens. And I think that's more the emotional piece for me. Um, since I've had Bevy, my guide dog, there's been a lot of other situations and comments made. Um, like one time we were walking down the street and Bevy's always on my left, and I was holding Kennedy's hand, and this person said, oh my gosh, she's blind and she has a kid? <laughs> and I was dumbfounded. I, I couldn't believe that somebody had said that. And like I've explained before, um, I was cane trained um, to use a, a white cane, and I always had it on me, and I often chose not to use it, and I would fumble my way around and, and do what I had to do to fake it. Um, and so for me to be completely outed with a guide dog is a whole nother situation, 
Um, but now to be a mom with a guide dog, it people look at you even more differently, more like, wow, I'm in awe, or you're such an inspiration, or oh, can you really take care of a kid if you can't see them? I've had somebody say that to me. Wow, can you even take care of your kid if, or no, they said it to their friend. Could she even see if her kid ran away, is what they said. Um, and so there's these comments, and <laughs> it's really funny. People say that, you know, if you're blind, people act like you're deaf as well. And so we hear these comments, and I'm like, really? I can hear you, and <sighs> come on. But there's a lot of other things that are scary about being a parent um, and possibly being discriminated against. And I brought this up in a panel when I was talking to um, the state services, service providers, the DHS, uh, Department of Human Services, who handles child welfare, um, child welfare, self-sufficiency, uh, aging, disability, and veteran services, a bunch of different services. And, you know, I said, will I be judged unfairly if my six-year-old runs away in the grocery store versus an able-bodied um, parent whose kid runs away in the grocery store. What the questions are going to be asked is, did you lose your kid because you can't see them? Whereas the other parent is going to be, you know, oh, it's fine. It happens to everyone. You know, it, it's not a big deal. But will I be looked at unfairly because of my disability, not because my kid is six and kids that are six do all sorts of things that <laughs> we wish they wouldn't. So, so there's those kind of concerns and that's hard. That's really hard. Switching gears a little bit, other aspects of parenting that can be challenging um, and just a, a light into that life, you know, reading books. I, I can't read books to my daughter. Um, I really wish I could. Uh, and that's really challenging for me because as a child with a child in, in first grade, um, it's something we need to work on and we need to, we, we need to push more at home. So we've spent a lot more time with her sounding out words and then her spelling them to me and then me remembering that word and then making her sound it out till we can figure out the word together. But to just straight up read a book with my daughter, it, it's too hard. I can't, I mean, it's not even too hard. I can't do it. Um, I've tried magnification. I've tried different things. I can put it under my CCTV, but um, which is a closed circuit television, for those of you who don't know. But <laughs> with a seven-year-old and the attention span of a gnat, uh, she gets distracted with what's going on on the screen that I'm looking at. So a CCTV is you put paper or a book or whatever you're trying to read underneath the TV and it projects it up onto a screen in very, very large print. And so I can look at the screen and read it, whereas she still is trying to look at the book and it gets very confusing. So the, though that is a way I can work with her on her reading, um, it's not the most effective. Um, other things that are challenging, you know, trying to find her swim coach or trying to find her soccer team or trying to find other parents. Now that is probably one of the biggest challenges um, I face is the social piece of parent-to-parent -parent social piece. People don't know if I don't have Bevy with me. Um, if I don't have Bevy with me, 
they definitely think I'm able, I can see everything. Um, but I don't recognize people as well as I would like or they would like. And so finding the other moms that I do or don't know, um, introducing myself, they're usually looking at my eyes saying, what is she looking at? Um, those kind of confusing, those confusing situations that come up with my vision. Um, if I have Bevy with me, then it becomes a awkwardness. They don't know how to deal with that. They don't know how to interact with me um, or have conversations with me because then I'm kind of the weird parent, if you will. Um, and so that becomes challenging. So the, the parent-to-parent relationships are, are very hard. Um, being able to volunteer in schools. I, I have... My brother does it a lot. I'm kind of shocked by that. But going on field trips, I could do that. Um, but I'd be afraid I was going to lose a kid. And keeping track of all the kids and knowing all their names uh, is difficult. Um, playing soccer and getting to know all the kids is difficult for me. I... <laughs> They all are loud six-year-olds. They never stand, seven-year-olds, I guess. They never stand in one place long enough to really be able to <laughs> see their face or get to know them or get to know their voices out on the soccer field. You know, you can't really tell. And so being able to say, oh, that was so-and-so or that was so-and-so um, is challenging for me as a parent. Also, just being able to see my daughter on the soccer field. Like, I know she's out there, and I really want to see her, especially as a soccer player, former soccer player myself, really want to see how she's doing. I really want to see what she's doing, and that becomes challenging. Um, And so I use my phone a lot to zoom in. I use my phone to take pictures and then be able to look from there, or my husband will take pictures or videos and then send them to me so I can see them. Um, so this is all about my younger daughter, uh, my older two kids. Uh, they came to me, let's see, Elijah was seven and Toya was 10 when Jameson and I met. And so they were older. So I didn't do a lot of the reading, a lot of the fundamentals with them. And so none of this became a super apparent until, uh, I had Kennedy. And so these things are all somewhat new to me. Uh, all the sports and all the that kind of stuff are the same. You know, I used to do the same stuff when they were swimming, uh, when Elijah was playing soccer, you know, being able to zoom in and take pictures and take videos um, was really the only way I could see them performing. So those are some of the challenges I experience as a parent with a disability. I want to leave it with everybody with not everything's bad. Not everything's negative. You know, I attribute who I am to my disability. And I remember when I was pregnant with Kennedy, they said, do you want to get her tested? Do you want the DNA? And I said, and we thought about it, Jameson, I thought about it. We were like, what could we, what would we do? And Jameson finally asked me the question, if you could change it, would you? And honestly, no. Uh, my vision and the, the challenges that I've, I've faced have made me the strong, driven, independent woman that I am because I've had to fight for all of it. I am not the smartest person in the world. Not even close. Not even a little bit smart. <laughs> Maybe a little bit smart. But I have a work ethic that no one else can outdo. I will work harder than anybody else. I will 
do more than anybody else because I've always had to. And that's how I'm used to functioning. And that's all because of my, my vision. So the piece about parenting in that is that number one, I teach my kids that I am able to lead by example and work hard and not stop until the job is done. And I'm not telling them to do something that I'm not doing myself. I'm leading by example because I have to, but also because I know it's the best way to succeed in life. Also, I am normalizing the conversation with my kids. I've talked about my vision disability with all three of them since the beginning. Kennedy's the only one that really had to ask those really six-year-old questions about, Mommy, why don't your eyes work? Um, Elijah and Toya were old enough when they came into my life, but they didn't understand it. So I still had to talk to them. And even tonight, we were talking to my both of them about my vision. And I said, okay, Elijah, I'm looking at you, right? He's like, whoa, that's weird. Don't look at me because <laughs> that's just weird. And he said, "When I know you're looking at me when you're not looking at me. And so my kids are aware of that and they notice it. And if somebody happens to have some, have that interaction with any of them in the future, they aren't going to think that person's weird. They're just going to be able to say, oh, okay, you know, something's up with their eyes. Moving on. They're just a normal human like me and you. Um, and so that's awesome. It also, with my daughter, which I'm going to talk about next episode, my daughter has multiple disabilities. And I have been able to relate some of those things that she was very ashamed of at first because I can say, Toya, I have a disability and this is who I am. And am I still a great mother? Am I still working hard? Do I still have a job? Do I have all these things? And, you know, normalizing it for her through that really tough time um, with her diagnosis when she was 15. Um, so it wasn't something she grew up with, but I could help normalize those conversations and, and prove to her that everything's going to be okay. It's not going to be easy at times, but it's going to be okay. Kennedy is probably one of the most understanding kids. She understands race. She understands differences. She understands disability because she has a sister with cognitive disabilities and she's just starting to grasp that. She has a mom with a vision disability. She has an uncle with vision disability. So she's, she's, these things are normal in her world. And so that's the great part about my kids and that's the great part about being a parent of a kid, uh, a parent with a disability, because I am able to give them these experiences and set the bar high and set the expectations high for those around them with disabilities. And so that's been the great part of being a parent with a disability. So with that, um, I want to thank you. And we're going to bring Jameson on for our six-year-old question. Can I offer to complete a sentence when my coworker with a severe stutter freezes up mid-sentence? Thank you, Jameson. So this is a really good question. Now, my answer, as you're going to hear for a lot of these questions, is what would you do for a person who you know does not have a disability and maybe is stuttering through a sentence? And a lot of times you may try and fill in the blanks once or twice, but 
if you don't, you can tell that person gets, you know, kind of flustered because they're like, no, 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 that's not the right word or that's not the right, you know. So, you know, if that's what you typically do for any other person, then give them a one or two options. But after that, just let them move on. Give them time to complete that thought or that sentence because a lot of times when you throw those other words into their brains, just like all of us, it can get more confusing or you can't quite pinpoint that word that you're looking for. Um, and then if you also, a lot of people get uncomfortable with that situation. And so if you don't want to make eye contact the whole time because you feel like it's rude, again, what would you do if this person did not have a disability? Do you maintain eye contact? Do you look away? Do you fidget? Whatever it is, whatever you would do normally, that's what you do. I personally don't make a ton of eye contact while I'm having conversations with people. And it is because of my vision disability. People have had, um, you know, always reacted funny or weird to me. And so that's when I get uncomfortable. And so a lot of times I'll look to the left, look to, you know, pass through their, their, where their eyes are. I can't really see their eyes necessarily, but where their eyes would be in the past of the right. And then, you know, I never lock eye contact because it's never eye contact, if you will. So, um, that's typically what I do. And you don't look away because you think you're embarrassed. No, they, they're used to this life. This is their life. This is what they, the world they live in. And so just respect that and act as normal, quote unquote, as you can, because it is normal. We all forget words. We all stutter. We all, you know, have embolilias is what the ums, ums, ums are, is an embolilia. We all do that. And so put aside the disability for a moment and just let it happen. And it may take longer. Uh, definitely don't get frustrated. Definitely don't keep spouting out words to that person. And then just be patient and be in the moment. Don't be in the 10 steps ahead of that person. So there we go. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me here today at Human Is My Label. Don't forget to subscribe, share this with your friends, families, and coworkers. Get out there, get comfortable with the uncomfortable, include everyone, and push yourself to be better every day. If you're interested in coaching or corporate training or learning more about RAPID, visit us at rapidorgan.org. That's R-A-P-I-D-O-R-E-G-O-N.org. You can find me at emily.purry on Instagram and all my other social handles are below. Have a great day and I can't wait to see you next week.